Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The goal for the believers is that we would be unified in Christ. Under the umbrella of the cross, under the blood of Christ, we'd be unified. The word would unify us. Our common love for Jesus would unify us. His teachings directly to us, commanding that we love one another would unify us. And there'd be a unified vision. That's what God wants. Satan always trying to break that up. And so in a lot of church circles, if the focus isn't Jesus, what will happen is like bad kids. Everybody start looking at one another. And, and we'll start when we start fighting one another, you can know that the enemy's got us. Everyone falls short and disappoints at some point in life. But as the body of Christ, we're called to love one another despite those downfalls. In the message today, Pastor Bill will encourage you to do your part as you seek to walk in unity with other believers. When you're too busy fighting other Christians, you've lost the battle with the enemy. That's exactly what Satan wants. Will you love others the way that God loves us, even when it seems impossible to do so? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I'm going to catch some of you guys up. If you're jumping in right now, we're at the end of a letter. You missed some nuggets from before. I can't go back and teach it all to you, but here's the backdrop. There is uh, Paul the Apostle began the church in Corinth. He went on a trip to Corinth, saw the condition of the people there, did what an apostle would do. He, he re-evangelized, he shared the gospel, and people in Corinth got saved. That made the church of Corinth. That's where the believers, where the that's where it all began. When Paul left, because Paul would start a church, get it going, and then he would carry on his missionary work somewhere else, but he would always check up on the work he had started. So when Paul checked up on the work in Corinth, for you guys that were with us when we did 1 Corinthians, he found out that it was a hot mess. He found out they were, they were, they were sexual sin was rampant. They were getting drunk at the communion table. They were taking one another to court. They were using spiritual gifts, but using them in an unbiblical way. He just, the whole, all of 1 Corinthians was a big, long correction. Paul's like, man, y'all tripping. And so he wrote 1 Corinthians because he loved them to show them the right way to do things. Then there was a, there's a gap there in between 1 and 2 Corinthians. There's another visit. Things are not in a healthy space in the church in Corinth. And so now the enemy, what he does, which he does many times, is he sent in false apostles. And false teachers and false apostles came in. They talked bad about Paul to the people. And they said, oh, he's not really an apostle. And a lot of this letter, you guys have gone through it. Paul's been... He's almost been having to like, like argue for himself. Like they said this about me, but, but it's not true. In this final chapter, Paul is doing the same thing. Um, he's having to kind of argue, not, not to validate himself, but to let them know that, hey, just consider these things. If I weren't, if I weren't a real apostle, how could this have happened? You know, and so he's uh, correcting a lot of the errors that have gone on in this last section here. Paul is wanting them. There's still sin that's going on in the church in Corinth. And Paul says, I'm going to come visit y'all for a third time. And I'm hoping that when I come, y'all have stopped all that sin so we can have a good visit. So he says, if y'all haven't stopped when I come, I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to get with y'all. You know, that's my paraphrase. But he's basically saying you're going to see in his letter. If I come and y'all are still in sin when I get there, I'm going to get a, I'm, 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 it's going to be a problem. You know, I'm going to deal with it. It's going to be ugly. I'm going to have to talk to y'all crazy or whatever. He said, but I'd rather come. And y'all have all repented. Everybody's kumbaya and we can just fellowship and have a good time. That's what I would prefer. But y'all are going to determine it. So that's kind of where we pick up. So look at 2 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 1. All right. Paul says, 
This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And so again, he says, this is going to be my third visit to you guys. And then he gives a quotation. If you guys are taking notes, the quote is from uh, Deuteronomy 19, 15. And he says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So in the Old Testament, you couldn't just make an accusation against a person. You know, if, if I accuse Pastor Clint of something, if I said, I saw Pastor Clint at the club. Y'all might say, well, what were you doing there? You know what I'm saying? But, but never, never mind all that. You know, I, 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 I saw Pastor Clinton at the club. Now, my word alone shouldn't be enough to condemn the man, you know. But if me and Dre and Dave all were like, no, we saw him. It was definitely Clint. He had that look that he looks like, you know what I'm saying? We, he had that, I know the shirt he was wearing. I mean, if three of us could cooperate that we saw him. Now, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Clint, was at the club. Now, we was there too, so, you know, this is obviously a fictitious tale, you know, but that's how it would go. So when Paul says, look, I'm getting ready to come to y'all a third time, interesting what he's saying. He's saying, I came once, I came a second time, and I came a third time. He's saying, it's my witness. I'm witness. I'm a witness. Now, some people, I read a few books that said, no, Paul was saying it was him and the people, it was him and the people that came with him. So, uh, it was him and, you know, maybe the couple people that accompanied him. But I believe Paul is saying here that each visit is, is I'm witnessing what's happening here. Here's the deal. When there were uh, three witnesses and the truth could be established, then you weren't dealing with hearsay. You were able to deal direct. This definitely happened. So we're going to deal with it like it happened. Paul says, when I come this third time, I'm dealing with it like it happened. I, there'll be I'll be sure. I know that I've talked to you all about it. I know that I've given the correction. I know that I've given you time to make the necessary adjustments. So if I get there and things are still like they were when I came, it's not going to be good. So you guys follow me so far? All right. Verse two, he says, I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time and now being absent. I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare and so what he's dealing with is the fact that there are people in Corinth, they've sinned. What are the sins that they have done? What are the things that, that they've been doing? For you guys that were with us last week in chapter 12, he listed some of the specific things that they were doing in Corinth. And so in verse 20, uh, the second part of verse 20, he says, I shall be found by you as such as you do not wish. Least there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, almost fights. Um, that was happening there. Then as you go down into verse 21, the latter part of verse 21, he says, I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of their uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness. All three of those deal with forms of sexual sin. So Paul says, look, that, that there's all this going on. You guys are backbiting, gossiping, not you guys, but them. They were gossiping, backbiting, you know, all those things that are pretty much an outwork of the flesh. He said, that got to stop. That, that's going to that's gonna quench and hinder the work of God. Anytime there's a group of believers, the goal for the believers is that we would be unified in Christ under the umbrella of the cross, under the blood of Christ. We'd be unified. The word would unify us. Our common love for Jesus would unify us. His teachings directly to us commanding that we love one another would unify us and there'd be a unified vision. That's what God wants. Satan always trying to break that up. And so in a lot of church circles, if the focus isn't Jesus, 
what'll happen is like bad kids. Everybody start looking at one another. And and we'll start when we start fighting one another, you can know that the enemy's got us. Now we can't be focused out there. The enemy's like, I got y'all. Y'all fighting each other. How you gonna go out there and fight the enemy when y'all are fighting each other? It's it, it's never effective. So it's one of the things he does. That's why the, the people that came in with the false teachings, that's why they would attack Paul. Paul was the apostle sent by God to minister to them. That's why they attacked him. Interesting that they don't attack the false apostles. They attack the true apostle because the, the, the false apostles are doing the enemy's work. He's like, y'all set up shop and do y'all be just fine. You know, so be be careful about that as a body of believers. Be careful that you do your part to maintain unity, to walk in unity. Um, sometimes we just got to love one another beyond fault. There, we have faults. You know, we're going to rub each other wrong. Sometimes y'all come in, y'all may have had your coffee, didn't sleep good or whatever. And, you know, it, it just might be a weird day for you. There are days where we got to just let that ride. That's my sister. That's my brother. You know, uh, hey, I don't know why he didn't speak back to me. I, I've had people come back to me like months later, upset about something. And I'm like, but what happened? Like, you know, one time I came in, I was waiting there to talk, talk to you, and then you know, you just kind of turned away. And I'm like, I don't never, I never even saw you. You should have said something. You should have, you should have, we should have had a conversation about that. Like, you've been upset all that time. Like, I mean, I don't. What was the enemy doing in you? Like all that time, I was even oblivious. You know, I've had people uh, like come to make men's. Like, we're making up for a fight we never had. <laughs> we never had that fight. Like, we we never had a beef. You know, like that's that's. That's ridiculous. Like, don't don't be that guy or that girl, please. In the name of Jesus, don't be that one. So he said, but, you know, he said that some of you guys have sinned before. And this is verse two again. You sinned before. And um, to all the rest, he said, if I come again, I will not spare. And I want to just real briefly mention this, that the need for discipline within a church, church discipline. It's uh, people don't really like to talk about that. People don't like to deal with that, but it's necessary in a group of believers. There's going to be godly order. Then you got to be able to discipline disorder. So anybody here with kids, if you have kids and you don't discipline your kids, I guarantee you, you have disorder because that's the natural. That's the natural fallout of kids without discipline. They just they gonna, there's going to be disorder. They're going to be mopping one another up. There's going to be screamings and shoutings and pinchings and bitings. That's what will happen. Right. If there's order. I've ever seen kids where you see someone's all the all the little kids are in order. You know what you know? You no, know, there's discipline. You know, somebody's got control. Somebody's got things in order. I went yesterday to um I, I know a guy that trains dogs. And um I'm trying to we got two dogs, and my daughter's dog is gonna get killed if we don't do something. So we're trying to I, I was like, let me let me see if I can get the professionals to help me out. So I took my my pit bull, that's it's me and BJ's dog, and Harmony got a little French bulldog. He starts the fights, but then if, if the pit bull finishes the fight, we're going to have a dead dog. So I'm out there with these guys, and, and all the trainers said the same thing. They got, they got dogs that can eat you out there. And they're saying all you need, they're saying the, the, the dog needs to recognize that you're, you're, you're in charge. And then you can make it do whatever you want. And he's demonstrating with these other dogs, and he's basically telling Harmony, like, your dog doesn't respect you. You know, your dog doesn't need, you know, all that. He's like, no, he doesn't see you as his master. So that's why when you say stop it, he's just like, whatever, you know, he's going to do what he want to do. That's what can happen with kids. But it's bad when that happens within a church, because that means that we're no longer honoring and obeying the Lord. And it's having a negative impact on how we deal with one another. So he says, look, there's some of y'all have sinned. That's okay. 
I've corrected you about it. Now, if you guys repent, it's going to be all good, right? Because we can be forgiven of our sins. Thank God. Amen. When we, we sin and we can, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. We can repent of our sins and be forgiven. We can confess our sins and have them washed away, but they must be dealt with. If someone is going to go ongoing in sin, Paul says, when I come back, I'm not going to spare you. And that's, that's, that's heavy language from an apostle. I'm going to deal with you. So, so I should just say this because I've had people that felt like, you know, a church should mind their business. You know, if I come to church here and I'm living with my boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, we do our thing. It's really none of your business. You know, don't 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 go that don't go that far with me. I'm just going to come here and do what I do. You know, smoke my weed. You know, you may see photographs of me on getting faded. You know, mind your business. Mind your business. I, this, is, this is my time at church. I want to come to Bible study. This is the thing. And I want you all to hear this. Right. Hear it in love, but hear it, right? It would be unloving. It would be unloving if we didn't say something. Now, we wouldn't blast you out. I would never come up here and say, brother, you know, I would never do you like that. But it would be wrong if I didn't pull you aside and say, hey, uh, it, it appears is that, that this is what's going on. I'm asking. I'm going to make no assumptions. But if that is the case, let me show you what the word says. Maybe you didn't know. Let me give you an opportunity to see what the word says so you can make the adjustment. Otherwise, now I've had people that I've sat aside and said, hey, maybe you didn't know. When I first got saved, I was living with a girl. I didn't know yet. Well, I kind of did, but not really. You know, I, I, was, <laughs> I didn't really know how bad it was, you know, but I was living, I mean, you know, what I do. That's what I was doing at the time, you know. It was later on that the Lord would say, hey, that's not right. You got to change that up. You know, marry her or, you know, kick it to the curb or whatever you got to do. So, you know, if we pull somebody aside and say, hey, this is what the word says. Now, what say you? Jesus, Lord. You know, I expect that, you know, we're going to we're going to fall in line. We're going to do what the word says, do or something. I've had people say, I'm not changing anything. I'm offended that you bothered me about it. You know, you just stay up there and talk and I'll come do what I do. I ask those people, like, what do you come for? Why are you here? Because the goal of our coming, right, we're being conformed into the image of Christ. We're coming to sit under the word that we can hear what God wants us to do so we can learn what it is. So we can go out there and do it. If I have no intention of doing it, then I'm looking and saying, why are you here? I'm curious. It'd be like somebody at the gym every week. I see you at the gym every week. You ain't touched a weight. You ain't got on an elliptical machine. You ain't walked a mile. You, you're just there. Like, what are you doing here? You, you're coming for some reason. What is the reason that you're not coming to get fit? You know, it's like, why are you here for? You know, somebody put a video and it had to be fake. It could not have been. It had to be just a stage thing. But a guy was on the machine eating donuts and, and pizza. I'm like, I think it was just a hoax, you know, but the goal of our gathering, right, is that we're, we're being conformed in the Christ image. That's, we have to be open for that. In order for that to take place, there will be, there'll be discipline, you know, there are things that are not right. We're going to challenge one another. We're going to do it in love. Uh, we're going to do it not with the hope of shaming or embarrassing or hurting, but I'm saying, if this sin right here can send you to hell, right, if the Bible says that no fornicator can inherit the kingdom, and I know that you fornicating. I'd be wrong if I looked at you fornicating and didn't say, you know, you know, that's a problem, right? That's a problem for doing the, not me and you, but you and the Lord. Like maybe you didn't know. I'm, it's my job to point it out, to share it with you, to encourage you in it and challenge you about it um, so that you could get that right with God. Because I want to see you right with God. I want to say I'm going to make sure you go to heaven with me. And so be, be mindful. Maybe maybe you've been here. Maybe somebody's asked you about something. Maybe somebody's challenged you about some aspect of your walk. Some people get real bent out of shape. Understand that it's always done in love. It's always done in private. And it's always done in love. It's always done to help you get better 
with the Lord. No one's ever publicly shaming, blasting, talking about you. We'll always direct connect saying, hey, let me talk to you about this. So Paul says, look, when I come back, when he says I will not spare, Paul is saying, I'm gonna be, I'm, some of y'all, I'm getting at you. Right. And I already told you, I sent the letter. I, you know, I want to come. I want to find out y'all made it right or y'all doing the right thing. But if not, when I come back, I'm going to see about you. Move on. Look at verse three. He says, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. Verse four, uh, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Uh, one of the things that they're doing now is they're they're challenging Paul's apostleship. Rather, he was or was not an apostle. And Paul says, look, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, they they're saying, Paul, how do we know that Christ has spoken through you? And what Paul's going to do is kind of turn it back on them. He's going to say, examine yourselves and just admit in verse five, rather you're saved. Because if y'all are, in fact, saved, I'm the one that led you to Christ. So you don't need any further evidence that Christ has spoken in me than that you're saved. And so even though these false apostles have turned, and I want you to consider what the enemy's done. The enemy has turned them against the one that actually led them to Christ. I spent, I spent 12 years almost at Calvary Chapel Downey. My pastor is Jeff Johnson. And over those years, I've seen many divisions. I've seen many, uh, many attacks against the man and so forth and so on. Uh, many people turned against him for different reasons and whatnot. And as I was there, I was aware of a couple of things. And I even at time I, I had times where I struggled with certain things. I've never struggled with him and went to the Lord. Anytime I would go to the Lord, the Lord would show me like, are oh, you tripping? You're tripping. He ain't sin. You know, that's just you. You know, sometimes I don't I may not have liked the decision he made. He he had me do some difficult things at certain times. And I was like, I don't think that's right because I'm selfish. You know, he put me over all the youth ministries that you're over high school, young adults, junior high. And I'm like, that was cool. I'm over it. You know, have oversight. I get to minister and everything else. But then it says, that guy needs to be fired. That guy needs to be hired. That's your job now. That's my friend. Deal with it. I got to go fire my friend. I got to tell my friend that you're no longer going to do this job. He's going to do it. God bless you. Let's go out for coffee. You know, whatever. I didn't like that. I was like, I don't think that's right. I think you should do that. That's the other. You the pastor. It's what you want. And I was, I battled with stuff like that. And I remember taking it to the Lord. And the Lord was like, mm-mm. You go do that. And this is what I here's the wisdom later on. I went and did it and I did it as unto the Lord. I, I, I actually lost a friend. I told a guy I didn't tell him the pastor told me to say it. I just said, hey, um, I'm not going to have you do this anymore. You know, it's been a blessing. I want you to pray about some other things. The Lord is changing things, which is true. And we're going to be giving someone else the opportunity. And we moved it around. In hindsight, if I had said to him, you know, one pastor don't want you here no more. So he'd have been mad at him and probably fell out of fellowship. But because I did it, he got mad at me, but he still went to church. So he continued to get ministered to and, and, and grow in his walk with the Lord. He's all right now. He's, he's somewhere else doing something else. But at the time, I battled with that. And I realized that it's an ongoing thing where Satan is like, I want to I want to divide you from those that God put him in my life to minister to me and my family. And the enemy at times was trying to divide that and come against that. It can happen for you parents. Parents are no doubt you are God's choice firsthand to minister to your children. God put you there first. You're the first line. If you're a mother or father, those kids, God gave them to you. And God wants you to pour into them and minister to them and, and build them up and correct them. And you're going to have a vantage point on their life that nobody else has. And so guess what relationship the enemy is going to try to divide? He's going to try to mess that up. Because nobody cares for them like you do. 
No one, no one loves them with as pure love as you do. No one wants to see them make it and do well as bad as you do. So Satan's like, I got to divide. I got to mess that up. He's always going to be after that relationship. You got to pray about pray over your kids. Pray, pray for the situations that they get and protect the relationships that you have with them because they're God ordained relationships. And so I would just say this. If we have to move on is any relationship that God sets up for 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 his purposes in your life. Uh, it may be pastor to person. It may be those that are discipling and ministering to you spiritual things. You, you want to give extra grace in those relationships and, and room for a little headbutt here or there and get over it and some personality exchanges here and there. But realize that God has given me these relationships for my spiritual well-being. And I, I got to be careful to guard them, not not let the enemy get involved in these relationships, because that's what he wants to do. That's what happened in Corinth. They. Paul, we know, no doubt, was anointed by God to be the man to minister to them. And these false teachers have come in and convinced them that how do we even know that God has really spoken through you? Paul's like, you got to be kidding me. I got to let all y'all to Christ. Are you kidding me? You know, so this is what he says in verse five. He says, examine yourselves as to rather you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Old King James says, um, you know, reprobate. Here the idea is this. He says, you examine yourselves, right? Do you not know that you are in the faith? And I want you to notice how he turns it back on them. I want you guys to examine yourself. Take a look at yourself. Do you not know that you're in the faith? And as they would examine themselves, and I believe Paul knew, confirmed that they were indeed in the faith. Paul says, well, there's the evidence that God has spoken in me to you. You're, you're, the fact that y'all are saved is my evidence. Now, I, I just want to give this out. How can we... How do we test ourselves or prove ourselves that we are saved? Are we in the faith? And he answered it in the same verse. He says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? The evidence that you're actually born again is that Christ lives in you. And so what's the evidence of Christ living in you? And I'm going to throw this out to you guys. How do we know if Christ lives in you, what is he doing in you? What is the evidence that he lives in you? What do you guys think? Fruit of the Spirit, okay, so there'll be fruit coming out of our lives. What else? How do we know? Conviction. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. You, you have a conviction about things you didn't used to have a conviction about. Um, give me one more. How do we know Jesus is living in us? Yes, sir. Just the, the constant, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit within us. You can't be the same, right? If God moves in, you won't be the same. How many of you guys know friends or people that will come over to your house and just start cleaning dishes and washing stuff. You guys got friends like that, that when they come, they just start figuring out something to do. If y'all, those are good friends to keep around, you know, especially after the holidays, right? I know a couple people like that. They'll come and they just, they just, it's like they can't help themselves. They come and they see dishes in there. They just start doing dishes. We're like, no, you wouldn't guess. No, got to do the dishes, got to clean them up. I'm like, invite them over. You know, just, we tired this weekend, you know, but they're going to come start cleaning up. That's just what they do, right? God, when he, if Jesus moves inside my life and your life, He's going to start cleaning up. There's no doubt when, when I got saved and Christ moved in, he looked around and said, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this, is, this place is a mess. I got work. I got my work cut out. And he went to work. That's what he does. Right. And we, we call it the work of sanctification. That's the, the spiritual terminology for it. But basically, it's God moving inside you saying, now we got to get rid of that. Oh, we got to tear that down completely. And he just starts cleaning up. And it'll be very evident in time. Christ moved in there. It ain't the same. It's not, that's not what it was last year. What I'm concerned about is someone that will say, hey, Christ moved in. Eh? 
Is he took a baby on vacation? You know, like nothing's cleaned up. Everything looked the same. That's a concern because it, it's it's an evidence that we look for when you go through scripture and you look at those that got saved, had an encounter with the Lord. It was pretty radical, the transformation. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, ripping people off, taking more than he deserved. He gets saved. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in 1 Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift. Are any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life? Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryInglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.